back to another episode of the 49ers Noir podcast brought to you by 415 Studios. As always, this is Zach with Will. Will, how has your training camp started? Mine is going great. We've got some highlights. We've got pads on officially. We've got the sound of football happening and I'm getting ready. I, I didn't think I would be this excited for a, uh, a, a scrimmage against the Los Angeles Chargers and getting into preseason, but that's where I am. Are you in the best shape of your life? That's the most important question. Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I, today, today is two I, on my Facebook memories. Today is two years that I've been in Texas, my official two year anniversary. So I am, I am a Texan as of today. And uh, I have come to love both Texas barbecue and uh, the delivery or the drive through margarita places. So I am absolutely not in the best shape of my life. And queso. I can't leave out queso. Those three things have uh, put me in not the best shape of my life. That would do it. Yeah. I, uh, I, I did something to my lower back and it, it's just felt, felt weird for the past like week. And now it's like, oh, well, this is, uh, I guess this is 32. Yeah, dude, it catches up when it passed. I was walking the dog the other day and my flip-flop got caught on the sidewalk. And on, in our neighborhood, there's, you know, some little slabs of sidewalk are taller than the others. My flip-flop on my left foot got caught, flipped under, and I stubbed my toe into a piece of raised concrete. Mm. And now I can't bend the big toe of my left foot, but that's 43. I don't know if I'll ever be able to bend it again. Well, uh, hopefully the 49ers injury luck will be a little bit better than ours apparently has been. Um, And so far, so decent, I'd say. Uh, 49ers training camp is in full swing now. Uh, We are recording here on Wednesday, August 4th, so this will be the eighth day of training camp today. Uh, and there's there's quite a bit of news, some developments, I, but I think obviously the biggest story that we were all expecting to be the biggest story, Jimmy Garoppolo versus Trey Lance. Uh, it, it seems like Garoppolo was doing, you know, pretty well at the beginning, uh, but these past couple of days, the reports are that Trey Lance has been coming out and just, you know playing really really good football especially for a rookie uh capped off by the video clip that took twitter and the entire 49ers fan base for a loop last night with him rolling to his left and kind of throwing 
while in the air, 50 yards downfield to a an open Trent Sherfield hitting him in stride for a deep touchdown. Uh, that that video clip alone might uh, be the downfall of Jimmy Garoppolo. I think so. You know, you mentioned when training camp first started, Garoppolo was really coming out kind of on fire. He had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, you know, in, in with the media when they were, you know, when they asked him about, I think it was Mohamed Sanu, and he's like, oh, he looks fucking good. We've always seen Jimmy very reserved, very conservative in his interviews. So you, so you see him kind of, you see a little bit of a side of him that we didn't expect. And then he kind of came out on fire. He was throwing the ball all over the place, seemed really like this move by the team to take move up and take Trey Lance at number three really seemed to light a fire under Garoppolo. And then as things progressed, we've seen Lance's play I think steadily improve. I don't think he started out bad, but I think we've seen him steadily improve. And we've seen Garoppolo regress to the Garoppolo that that we know and love, where he's not seeing underneath defenders. He threw uh, interceptions to Fred Warner on back-to-back days. First one was in the flat where he didn't see Fred Warner. Second one was in the red zone. He didn't see Fred Warner. And then he had a third interception to Jason Verrett where Debo beats him down the sideline. He sees Debo open. He double clutches, lets it go. He doesn't have the arm strength to get it there. It's a short pass. Vred is able to recover, make the interception. And I'm not that kind of person that's going to get myself too up or too down on training camp interceptions because I expect the quarterbacks to sit there and challenge themselves, try to throw it into tight windows, try to make throws that maybe they're not comfortable with, really put their pass catchers in an advantageous position and see what they can get out of them. But the flip side of that is with these interceptions from Garoppolo, they are the textbook interceptions that he's been throwing now season after season where he's consistently missing the underneath defender. He doesn't have the arm strength to push the ball downfield. And we're really seeing in these last four or five days where they've had practice, what it is that sets Trey Lance apart from Jimmy Garoppolo and what the team saw in him versus Jimmy Garoppolo and why they were willing to mortgage so much to move up and take a player like him at number three. They are already starting to install a few packages in the first-team offense for Trey Lance. Uh, So far, the snaps have just been running plays. Uh, Kyle Shanahan said that he wanted to put those running plays in with the first-team offense so that the offensive linemen understood how they have to block for those types of plays uh, because they have not had a quarterback to be able to run those plays since Kyle Shanahan has been here. Uh, so it, it, it's starting, and I think the next step is going to be, okay, now that we've installed those run plays, let's install some passes that take advantage of the fact that Trey Lance can run the ball. And then the first team defense is going to see the type of arm that he has in live drills, and they're going to see how he works with specifically a lot of the first team offense against a real first team defense. Uh, and then I think that's when you start just seeing more and more leading up to these preseason games where we're going to really see on a national stage what Trey Lance can do. Um, I'm, I've am i always been of the mindset that just throw Trey Lance out there sooner rather than later, uh, but it looks like he's starting to prove it. And some of these guys on the defense are starting to say it too. Uh, Dre Greenlaw just yesterday came out and said that Trey Lance has the best arm that he has ever seen in person. Um, 
you know, that's the type of praise that you start getting to. And Kyle Shanahan also said the players will let him know when it's time to make the change. And it sounds like the players are starting to move towards that. I, I think so. I think what the only aspect that I think Trey Lance is maybe missing versus Jimmy is just is simply experience, understanding defenses, what they want to do, understanding how they're going to try and limit you, being able to read a secondary, understanding kind of the speed of the NFL game, especially coming from a, a second tier college program like like Trey Lance has. So he hasn't seen defenses, you know, like Joe Burrow saw when he was at LSU or, or some of these other guys saw or, or Trevor Lawrence saw, or, you know. So getting used to the speed of the game is going to be a little bit different for him. But the only way he's going to learn that is by being put on the field. And I think what the piece that Trey Lance has that Jimmy Garoppolo is, is sorely lacking is that his athleticism is going to get him out of mistakes. He's got a strong enough arm where he can be a little late on a throw and still make it. He's got enough speed and enough enough maneuverability where if a play breaks down and maybe he he doesn't see a pass open up in time and all of a sudden the pocket's starting to close, he can evade defenders and get, you know, that seven yards on a second and six. He can he can move the six on third down, even when the defense maybe drops eight guys into coverage. He's got he's got the legs that can challenge a defense that can get him out of problems. And that's what we've seen defenses do to Garoppolo and they've really been able to hamstring the defense where they drop guys back. They only rush a couple and and Garoppolo still doesn't have the athletic ability to get himself out of trouble. And that that's the piece that Trey Lance for sure has over Jimmy Garoppolo and everything else is just going to be, is just going to be experienced. You know, uh, uh, what's his name? Peter King. I think he was on Mayoko's podcast, but he was talking about how all the players got, iPads when OTAs broke and the player that had logged in the most and had logged the most minutes on their iPad during the 40 days off was Trey Lance. So we know from his coaches and from his teammates at North Dakota that he was a big studier. He got himself into the books. He was one of of those guys that worked on, you know, worked on schemes and, and stuff like that. And we're seeing that translate into the NFL and he's doing the exact same thing at training camp that we expected him to do. So I think it's a much smaller gap than some people realize. Yeah. I more so than what it means for Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm happy with what this means for Trey Lance and that Trey Lance has been doing well because regardless of which side you fall on of, you know, they should start Trey Lance right away. They should start Jimmy Garoppolo this season. Everyone, I think, pretty much agrees that first snap of 2022, barring injury, is going to be taken by Trey Lance. So regardless of what that means for this season, I think it's a good sign for the future and for the future of this franchise that Trey Lance is doing as well as he is. Um, I don't want to get insert myself into the debate for what happens this season but for next season i'm really liking this yeah if if trey lance doesn't start 2022 it's either one of two things have to happen it's either a huge indictment on kyle shanahan in the front office making a horrible horrible evaluation on a player skill set or we're talking about how Jimmy Garoppolo somehow in 2021 
had a complete career resurgence, took huge steps as a quarterback, moved the offense all over the field and took the Niners into a deep playoff run. And then forced the Niners hand where they couldn't take him off the field and, and insert Trey Lance. Those, that's really the only two things I think are going to keep Trey Lance off the field, either a horrible, horrible player evaluation or Jimmy Garoppolo suddenly vaulting himself into the MVP discussion. And I don't think either of those things have happened. I think the, the limited sample size we have of Trey Lance, we've seen the arm that we expected to see. You talked about that throw where he's rolling to his left, hits Sherfield in stride. We've seen him study the way that we expected him to, picking up the offense. We've seen his legs, they're designing runs for him. So we know from a, from a player standpoint, he is at least to now what was advertised. And two, I don't think at this point in Jimmy Garoppolo's career, we're going to see him take these huge strides into being a better quarterback. So I think we're guaranteed to see Trey Lance as a starter week one in 2022. And I, I wouldn't be surprised where I'm sitting now, seeing the reports out of training camp, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Trey Lance as the starter sooner than later. I would guess Trey Lance is probably going to start more games than Jimmy Garoppolo in 2021. Yeah, I, I think that that's fair. Um, we will see more as the coming days uh, play on. We will see more once the preseason happens. You know, the, for as much as we want to love what Trey Lance has been doing so far. Um, it still isn't even a preseason game yet. We we know that Jimmy has not been the best practice player in his career. Um, we don't know if Trey Lance is just a really good practice player, but won't be, you know, the same type of guy on game day, or if he'll be even better on game day or the same player. Like we we just don't know that yet. So. I'm really looking forward to next week's preseason opener against Kansas City, uh, seeing what is going to come of that, and see if Trey Lance is all that he was cracked up to be. Uh, but there are quite a few other uh, positions on the 49ers that are generating some news uh, this this uh, training camp. The, the next one, I'd say, is a couple of receivers really breaking out. Uh, the first one, Brandon Ayuk, seems to be having a really good training camp. But then also, the same guy we just mentioned, Trent Sherfield. He's really been coming on strong, you know, showing his speed that uh, was a little bit raw with, with the Cardinals, I'd say. Kept him mainly on special teams, but also the fact that they had guys like Larry Fitzgerald and DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk, a lot of talent in front of him in that Arizona Cardinal receiver room. So he never really got his full shot to play on offense. Now he's coming to San Francisco. He has a chance and he's making uh, he's making a name for himself, at least within the 49ers circles. Yeah, it seems like he is a, he's a, a little bit of the surprise of training camp. You know, you mentioned he had gotten most of his playing time in Arizona on special teams and was really a standout player on special teams. Didn't get a chance to play that much at receiver. You mentioned the guys that were ahead of him. He's made, I think, a wise career move coming to San Francisco, not only with the potential to be a standout player on special teams, but also after Debo Samuel and after Brandon Ayuk, there's a big question mark at number three for, uh, for the wide receiver position. And if he can if he can leverage his speed into that position and we've seen 
already some work during training camp where it seems like he's building up a pretty good rapport with Trey Lance. He may be able to, to get himself into that discussion for the number three or number four wide receiver spot and make the team not just as a special team standout, but be a contributor as a wide receiver. So I think he's made a really good move. It's been a surprise when I remember when they signed him, I just kind of thought, Oh, okay, this is just going to be a, a special teams guy that's going to step in and, and do a little bit of the dirty work on, on a, you know, punt return and, and kick coverage and stuff like that. But like I said, with the, with those question marks behind Debo and behind Ayuk, it'll be, it's really just an open competition. So it'll be interesting to see if he's able to get himself into that position to, to really establish himself as a, as a number three wide receiver. And if he does, it's going to be a, a really shrewd move by the front office and a, and a very valuable signing. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here right now. Um, given the the way that everything is shaking out so far, obviously, again, we want to see what happens in the preseason games. But with Trent Sherfield coming on like this and with Jalen Hurd also having a somewhat healthy preseason so far, knock on as many wood things that you can find around you, uh, but he's been healthy and you know, looking pretty good so far. What does the 49ers final wide receiving core look like? And is Richie James a part of it? You know, this that's a guy that some people really like. And I just haven't heard much from him in a positive light so far this training camp. Uh, is, is Richie James going to be on his way out because of the way that these other guys are uh, coming through? Who you are putting me on the spot. I think short answer, I don't think Richie James is going to be on the team. Um, they've got they've got the four guys we just discussed. They've got Mohamed Sanu, who seems like he's playing really well. Um, and then so then so that's five wide receivers. You would think. Who is the guy? They just signed somebody that was a like a kick and return, uh, punt and kick return specialist. Yeah. They signed him like last week, last week or the week before, and I'm drawing a blank on his name. Um, but if he, we can we can circle back to whatever his name is. I can't. I'm drawing a blank off the top of my head. But if they, if he's going to be the guy that steps in as a as a punt returner, a kick returner, that kind of takes away the loan role that Richie James would still have on the team. If he's look, if we're looking at Richie James being the sixth wide receiver, the value he would, he would have to have would be as a kick and pump returner. And he hasn't exactly been the best kick and pump returner during his time in the NFL. So my guess is between those five wide receivers and maybe we're looking like if they want to keep six, are we looking like, Juwan Jennings or Kevin White, then maybe they feel can give him a little bit more value. So I would think, I would think Richie James is probably off the team, which is a bummer. I think Richie James has, has some talent. I just don't feel like he ever was able to put it together consistently. You know, he had a, he had a great game against Green Bay last year where he had like 181, 180, 181 receiving yards, but he's never been able to consistently get there. Um, so yeah, my, 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 what was a short answer has now turned into a very long, drawn-out answer. Is is no, Richie James isn't on the team next year or this year. Yeah, I'm. Uh... Oh wow, yeah, the the Forty Nine ers. 
do not provide very much as far as what the the depth chart looks like there they still have cj bethard as the starting quarterback um on their the team's depth chart uh so that's not going to be very (laughs) helpful um and do they still have travis benjamin on the roster as well they do yeah travis benjamin is still there too yeah so i mean i i think it is going to be kind of tough for for richie james i i think he's on the outside looking in right now um, but it's th- that is going to be one of those because you're right that i think that the five so long as jalen hurd stays healthy five receivers definitely are going to be debo Ayuk, sherfield Hurd, and then uh muhammad Sanu. it was it was I. I may I may mispronounce his name. I can't remember if the N is silent. Nisimba Webster. Okay, that's what I was thinking of. I I I must have missed that one because uh, that name does not sound familiar to me. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there's. And, and you know, I think that Kyle Shanahan has shown that he might not necessarily trust Richie James completely. Just given that he hasn't made him a huge part of the offense outside of that one game against Green Bay so far. But we'll see. Uh, there's a lot that can happen in these three preseason games. So, you know, I, I like Richie. I I think that he will catch on somewhere else if he doesn't make the roster. Uh, but I think that the way it's shaping up right now might be tough sledding for him. Sorry, Kyle. I know that when you're editing this, you're probably going to be starting to throw things with us talking about it like this. Uh, I, I know you love you some Richie James, but not sure that he'll be there. Uh, but. Yeah. And, and, you know, we didn't even mention Austin Watkins Jr. Oh, who yeah. is our undrafted free agent from Alabama, Birmingham. Maybe he ends up as a, as a practice squad guy, but he's another, another guy that, you know, the team, you would think they've got to be pretty high on. They brought him in. I think he was their first undrafted free agent signing after the draft. 6'3", 210, like he's a big wide receiver. So between what he's got ahead of him. I just don't see, I, I don't see how Richie James is going to, is going to make the roster. Maybe he squeaks in, but, but it would, he would be a surprise. He would be a surprise roster spot for me if they, if he does stick around. Uh, well, next up on our whip through the 49ers training camp stories, uh, another newcomer that is making some noise on offense and is having a really good training camp, which is good given his age is Alex Mack. Uh, He's out there being just as good of a presence in that center position as we hoped. Uh, obviously, you know, his intelligence is a ability to identify blitzers and identify where the pressure is going to be coming from. That That's not going to go away because of his age. We were worried about his athleticism and his strength, whether he's going to be that same guy. And uh, on the first rep in pads, in yesterday's practice on Tuesday, uh, he pancakes the strongest defensive lineman the 49ers have in Javon Kinlaw. You know, it's a, it's a good sign that he's still able to pack that much power that he can take a guy like Javon Kinlaw off of his feet and get him on the ground. And I think that that spells something good for Alex Mack uh, kind of anchoring the middle of that line for the foreseeable uh, future over the next year or two. I think so. We saw 
last season with Western Richburg out, how integral the center position is in Kyle Shanahan's offense. And, and when, when you don't have a kind of high end center at that spot, how much it really bogs down the offensive line. And you mentioned with Alex Mack's age, there's some questions coming on. And there were some reports in the earlier part of camp that, you know, he didn't really, didn't quite look like himself, but those were without pads, those kind of things, those kind of drills really heavily favor the defensive linemen. And then you mentioned it once they got into pads, there he goes, pancaking Javon Kinlaw. And I think Mack is going to be really an invaluable piece to the offensive line as a whole, as far as kind of keeping them on pace, calling out blisters, identifying blocking packages and things like that, that they need to do. I also think he's going to be a fantastic resource to Aaron Banks when he inevitably becomes a starter at right guard. And then on the flip side of that, you mentioned Javon Kinlaw. I think having a player of Alex Mack's um, stature and of Alex Mack's experience and uh, I guess qualifications, he is going to be a valuable piece to a, to a very young, we, we talked about, we kind of touched on the, the interior defensive line there. He's going to be a good piece that's going to help those young interior defensive linemen. They've got Kevin Gibbons, who's, who's really young. They've got Javon Kinlaw, obviously, who's really young. He's going to be a, a valuable veteran presence to those guys, helping them develop their game as defensive linemen. You know, we talked last season during training camp about how much fun the Nick Bosa versus Trent Williams was going to be and the, the whole iron sharpens iron kind of thing. And Alex Mack is going to be that guy also for those young interior defensive linemen where they're going against a guy that was an NFL all decades team, a former all pro uh, uh, consistent pro bowler. They're going to have to up their game and develop themselves as, as defensive tackles against him every day that they go into practice. So he's going to be valuable, not just to the offense and to a young player like, like Aaron Banks, but also to Javon Kinlaw, to Kevin Gibbons as those guys develop their game. Well, that's a makes for a pretty natural transition to the next group that I wanted to talk about. And that is that pretty strong so far interior defensive line uh, that that group is showing to have obviously a lot of star power with the likes of Eric Armstead and Javon Kinlaw there. But then a lot of depth, you know, DJ Jones is coming in and is having a really strong start to his camp. You know, we were a little worried with his injury last year if he was going to have that same sort of presence as he had before and he's coming back right where he left off but then the other additions you know you mentioned kevin Givens, you got zach kerr uh you know you've got a lot of guys that is going to give this interior defensive line a really good and solid rotation um i think that it's been a little underrated how much teams have been able to run on the 49ers it seems you know when you have guys like Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw as linebackers it it helps limit the really big plays but from what I could tell like in in my watching of the games it seems like they were routinely able to get you know three or four yards outside of you know a couple of goal line stands that they had you know teams could run a little bit on San Francisco in the last year or two. But it seems like the the interior defensive line is getting pretty solid right now. Uh, and I think that that's going to bring this defense up a notch. I think so too. We've, we've really seen from their first draft together, we've seen Kyle and John 
really heavily invest in the defensive line, right? They, that very first draft, they had the number two pick. They traded back with Chicago. Unfortunately, looking back, you know, hindsight being 2020, they skipped on Patrick Mahomes. They skipped on Deshaun Watson, legal issues notwithstanding. I'm just talking about the player. Um, and then we saw them take, take Solomon Thomas, who they thought was going to be an anchor on that defensive line, both as a, as a pass rusher on the end, which was a, a poor evaluation, and then maybe trying to use his athleticism on the inside. And then we've seen them, you know, they drafted Javon Kinlaw again in the first round. We've seen them make um, an investment in Eric Armstead, m- may or may not play itself out long-term, but we've seen them really invest in the, in the defensive line. And we're seeing some of the some of the fruit of that come up with a young player like Kinlaw, uh, a guy who seems to have a lot of potential in in Kevin Givens. We've seen DJ Jones flash multiple times and, and his athleticism and what he's able to do. And then when you talk about players that they've gone out and they've gotten recently, you know, you mentioned Zach Kerr, who's a really good defender, a really good pass rusher and a really good defender from Carolina. So they have a lot of talent on that interior offensive line. And it's easy for them to kind of be overshadowed by guys on the edge like Nick Bosa and like D Ford, because pass rushers get so much more of the spotlight and, and you know, kind of sacks are sexy and that kind of thing. But when you get really great interior defensive line play, it makes it easier. It's going to make it easier on Bosa. It's going to make it easier on Ford. It makes it easier on Drake Greenlaw. It makes it easier on Fred Warner. And these investments that they've shown in that defensive line, even, and I didn't even mention, you know, Maurice Hurst, who I'm a big fan of, that came over from, from Las Vegas. Uh, Kentavious Street has had a really good camp so far the last few days. So those guys are going to make the job of the players behind them and the players to the outside of them that much easier. And we're seeing these investments really start to pay dividends now as some of these guys are getting some of the, some of the press and some of the coverage that they need. And we're seeing them really disrupt what the offense wants to do just by challenging a couple of positions where Alex Mack, we talked about has played really well. Lakin, Lincoln Tomlinson at left guard has looked really good. And they're, they're going to have a rookie that they're going to work on and Aaron Banks or, or somebody like Daniel Brunskill at that right guard position. They're really going to challenge them. And this, this defensive line is just going to be able to throw wave after wave at opposing offenses. And it's going to be really fun to see what they can do and the kind of havoc they can create on the inside. See, this is why you are a fantastic co-host. You're making these transitions so easy for me because you mentioned D Ford, and that's the next one that I want to talk about. The fact that we're actually seeing D Ford on the practice field consistently. Like, this was something that didn't happen last year at training camp. Um, There was talk about D Ford potentially retiring last year because of his back issue, and now he's out there consistently giving the 49ers really good solid reps uh it it looking back on it it was probably a little bit of an overpay to bring d ford in for what it costs both in draft capital and in salary but that's just because of his availability when he's been on the field he has generated pressure and he has been a great presence opposite nick bosa and it looks like they are finally might be getting that again, you know, back to their Super Bowl season uh, when he was providing that at least some games. It looks like they might be getting that again now that he's back. He's going to be, if he's healthy and he can play, he's going to be 
one of the biggest pieces of the defense moving forward. We saw in 2019 how the defense looked different when he was on the field opposite Nick Bosa. The the pressure they were they were able to bring, how uncomfortable they were able to get opposing quarterbacks. It was markedly different than the games went that he had missed. And you mentioned that they had to overpay for him. And and unfortunately in the NFL, to bring in a player of his caliber who even has some question marks as far as his health goes, you're gonna have to overpay for him. But if he's on the field, he's a big piece. And and now I know this last season in the draft, they didn't take an edge rusher, but they signed uh, Samson Ebukam. They also signed Arden Key from, from Las Vegas. If those guys can come in and spell D Ford, if, if Ford is healthy and you're only maybe only getting 12 to 15 snaps a game from him, you can, you can rest him, not overtax him, let him rest that back and let him be fresh for those 12 to 15 snaps. If Arden Key and, and Ebukong come along and they can play those guys behind him, that's going to be a huge boost to this defense. We talked about how impressive the, the interior defensive line has been. If if you've got a consistent defensive line rushing the passer of Bosa, um, Javon Kinlaw, Armstead on the inside, and then D Ford, even if it's only, like I said, 10, 12, 15 snaps a game, that is a top-tier pass-rushing defensive line that is really going to get after quarterbacks and it's going to make their life hard. And it doesn't matter if we're talking about a quarterback like Matthew Stafford, who isn't very mobile and sits there and has a big arm, but but can get himself stuck stuck in the pocket. Or we're talking about quarterbacks like Russell Wilson, like Kyler Murray, who are more active, can move themselves around. When you get those those four guys together, I think, and 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 they're fresh and they can get after a quarterback, it doesn't matter the skill set of the quarterback. It's going to give that opposing offense a really, really hard time. Well, let's uh, move to the the final grouping that I want to talk about here today, and that's the secondary. Uh, we have Jason Verrett, who by all accounts has been performing very, very well. Uh, but then there's some guys that, you know, it's a little up in the air. Uh, they just waived Tim Harris, uh, who was a draft pick a couple years ago in the later rounds. I think he was a sixth round guy, and he was injured when they drafted him. He was injured the first season he was on the team. He was injured the second season he was on the team, and he is now still injured. Uh, so they they waived him, brought in B.W. Webb, and then Emmanuel Mosley has been on the reserve COVID-19 list. So it's really been Jason Verrett, uh, Jimmy Warden, Joukowsky Tart have been the consistent presences there at safety. Uh, but then it's been a rotation of Ambry Thomas, Diamador Lenore, Ken Webster. Uh, these guys have all been rotating in to play opposite, uh, play opposite Jason Verrett. And from the sounds of it, based on what Kyle Posey is writing for Niners Nation, uh, Diamador Lenore is actually the leader in the clubhouse for that second cornerback spot. Uh, not sure how I feel about a rookie fifth round pick uh being the starting cornerback opposite Jason Verrett but that might be where we have to go I think it I think the the lack of depth at quarterback is opposite Verrett is very troubling even if you count Verrett into that group I'm not 
I'm still not sold on Brett being healthy 15, 16, 17, wow, 17 games uh, this season. But the, I don't want to jump off of the cornerbacks, but pass rush, if the pass rush is healthy, we just talked about D Ford, it's going to alleviate a lot of the problem for the secondary. But like you mentioned, behind Mosley at that second cornerback spot, it gets thin fast. You mentioned Tim Harris Jr. He just got cut. They brought in B.W. Webb. I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you the first thing about him. But Aubrey Thomas, they took him in the third round. Hopefully he comes along. I'm not surprised really that he's he's coming along a little bit slower and showing some rust considering he sat out last season. But Diamador Lenore coming in, I think he, while he is a fifth round pick and that's not the most exciting prospect to have at that, at that second cornerback spot, it seems like from OTAs and from, and from what we've heard coming out of training camp, that he's just one of those guys that is just, he's just hungry for it. And he seems like he's in there and he's fighting and he's really doing everything the team asked for. And maybe he's going to be that guy that can consistently play opposite Brett until Mosley comes back from the COVID list. But we'll see. But the, aside from the pass rush, the other part that gives me a little bit of, a little bit of relief talking about the cornerbacks is, is safety play. And we've seen, you know, Jimmy Ward has caught a lot of grief from 49er fans, myself included over the years, because he, he's that guy that just doesn't force turnovers, but He's a very steady presence at, at safety. He doesn't let, doesn't let a lot of stuff get behind him. He's aggressive when he needs to be. He's probably the he's probably the best man to man cover guy on the team. And it seems like his consistent play at safety can take some of the worry off of off of the cornerbacks and off of D'Amico Ryan's plate and off of the secondary coach's plate where they know what what Jimmy Ward is able to do, and he might be able to kind of give them a little bit of relief and a little bit of a safety blanket at, at that second cornerback spot, at least until Mosley comes back or until Lenore or Thomas kind of prove themselves to be that second cornerback opposite Red that the that the team's looking for. Yeah, it's not the the, the uh, situation that the 49ers obviously would like to have. I think they would love it if they had a a solid guy opposite Jason Verrett that they could rely on to be a consistent starter um it's tough to put that on a fifth round rookie saying you have to go out there and be consistent and not you know have one of those days like Brian Allen had against Miami last year um yeah so let's hope for no repeat to that uh there is you know, an interesting name on the trade market. If the 49ers did want to pony up something for a cornerback, I'm not sure they'd be able to afford it, uh, given that they don't have first-round draft picks for the next two seasons. Uh, but Xavier Howard is available. Do you see the 49ers making a run at anybody like that? Man, I would love it if they got Xavier Howard. Um, while they don't have the draft picks, let's go back to the first topic we discussed. They may, they may very well have a quarterback that might be enticing to a team, especially a team like Miami. We were kind of talking before we started recording about teams that may be in playoff positions that need a quarterback. And for a team like Miami, they've got a lot of tools. They've got a lot of talent on the field on both sides of the ball. Tua Tagovailoa 
little, still a little bit of a question mark at quarterback. Could could San Francisco pry away somebody like Xavier Howard for Jimmy Garoppolo in a mid round pick, or Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo, and and you know in a future second or third, you know, something like that, and then really solidify that second cornerback position opposite Jason Verrett for a player that, let's be honest, more than likely isn't on the team next season anyway. That would be something. That would be something I would think about. You know, would Miami be apt to it? Who knows? But even with a well-built team, we've seen firsthand even kind of slightly above average quarterback play can take a team to the Super Bowl and be within a few plays of winning the Super Bowl. Can could Miami be tempted by that? There's a possibility. I don't know, but that would be something that maybe if I was San Francisco and looking down the line, you've decided yes. You know, Trey Lance is going to be the starter sooner than later. Maybe you can trade, you know, Dangle Garoppolo for a player like that. Maybe we're looking. Maybe Garoppolo's former team, if we're if we're looking at New England, maybe Dangle somebody like him and try to try to snag somebody like Stephon Gilmore and put opposite opposite uh, Jason Brett. So there's he's Garoppolo is an interesting piece that can be thrown in, can be can be kind of tossed into some of these trade some of these trade discussions to see if maybe they can entice a team to to bite for maybe a player that that just on draft picks, they wouldn't have the capital to get. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not sure the timing works out outside of an injury to a guy like Tua. Um, it it seems like, you know, when you have a guy that you take fifth overall, you, you probably have to throw him out there and let him fail. And if he is failing for the first few weeks of the season, then maybe Miami looks to do something closer to the trade deadline, something like that. Um, you know, they do have familiarity with Jimmy Garoppolo, with Brian Flores being the head coach, former former Patriot guy there. Um, but I, I feel like Xavier Howard, if he's going to be on his way out, is probably on his way out at some time in the preseason. And barring an injury to Tua, I'm not sure that uh, they would be looking to bring in a, a quarterback of Jimmy Garoppolo's presence, I would say. Um, because you bring a guy like that in, I don't think it's going to be a, to be the backup. I think that he's good enough to start and given the amount that he's going to be getting paid this season, I think that the sign that you're giving is that you're bringing him in to be your starter for the remainder of whenever he gets there. Um, so I, I think that it would be, it would be tough for Miami to say, we are bringing in Jimmy Garoppolo but with a healthy Tua on the roster rather than taking one of these guys that they pass on. They had the opportunity to get Trey Lance. They had the opportunity to get Justin Fields. And they passed on both of them in order to make trades, move around, bring in Jalen Waddle, and run with Tua. If they give up on Tua while he's still healthy in the preseason, that, that's going to be a tough look for Miami. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, you know, Tua also hasn't stayed the healthiest, so I I'm never going to wish injury on a player. But if he does get injured and Miami is looking at this stacked roster that they want to make a playoff run with, maybe they do try to get Jimmy. Who knows? He's Flores, if you're listening, he's available. <laughs> uh, all right, well... Uh, I guess we can end the show talking about other destinations that Jimmy Garoppolo could be traded to if he were to be traded sooner rather than later. Um, 
it, it looks like both of Carson Wentz's old team and new team could be headlining that list uh, with the Colts. Carson Wentz getting a foot injury, potentially out up to 12 weeks. Um, and their backup quarterbacks right now are Jacob Eason, and uh, they just signed Brett Hundley to a contract. So not really the best look for a team that was hoping to challenge for a division title if those are the two quarterbacks they have to run with for over half the season. Uh, and then Philadelphia, um, you know, is Jalen Hurts looking like he's going to be the guy? Uh, it looks like Washington and Dallas are kind of separating themselves, but could Philadelphia with a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo push for a division title? Potentially. Uh, just depends on if Jalen Hurts is good. Uh, any other places you can think of where they might be calling for for Jimmy if they were to trade him sooner rather than later? Not that I can think of. You mentioned Philadelphia, and I think that would make sense. Uh, you mentioned Indianapolis clearly with Carson Wentz's injury. That's a position, that's a spot that makes a lot of sense. And look, oh, let's just have a do-over. Garoppolo and Eric Armstead for DeForest Buckner. We'll call it good. We'll act like it never happened. We can forget about last season. Buckner never had a year in Indianapolis. It'll it'll just it'll be like Rocky. It'll be like the what was it like Rocky Four where he fought Tommy Morrison in the street fight. We'll just pretend like it never happened. We can bring DeForest Buckner back and we'll just go from there. But I think those being being serious, I think those are the two spots that would make the most sense if they were to, maybe maybe Denver creeps into the argument. They seem to have some question marks there. Drew Locke, it, you're not sure if he's a guy and they've got some talent on, on both sides of the ball that they may want, you know, their window's kind of opening itself up. Can they nudge it open a little bit earlier with a player like Garoppolo? I think that would be a spot that would make a lot of sense for him. So those would kind of be, if if he is traded, I think those would be the, the three spots that would make the most sense for me, at least at this point. I know there was a lot of talk. It kind of maybe not a lot of talk, but it seemed like uh, the Washington football team was a spot that people had talked about earlier in the offseason. But it doesn't seem like that's kind of a team that is that has crept up as as a possible suitor as much lately. But I would think Denver, Philly, Indianapolis, those would be the three spots that I could see him going to. Yeah, it was a little telling of the Denver quarterback situation right now with a guy I follow on Twitter because he is both an Iowa Hawkeye fan and he does a lot in the draft process, uh, Nick Kendall, but he's also a reporter for the Broncos uh, during the season, and he was tweeting some longing-looking gifts when talking about Trey Lance and the day that he had yesterday. Uh, so I, I think that's a little telling of how he's feeling about Drew Locke and... Um, Teddy Bridgewater as the quarterback options for Denver right now if he was uh, that longing for for Trey Lance. He was he was really wanting Trey Lance and uh, then he was really wanting Justin Fields when the 49ers took Trey Lance. So he he's a little sad right now. Yeah, I mean it's, it's tough. You know, it's quarterback is, it's the most difficult position to play in sports. It's probably the most difficult position to find. At, at least uh, you know uh, a serviceable quarterback, and so much of your of your franchise success, your team success, your your coaching career, your GM career depends so much on that position that it's 
it's easy, I think, for some coaches and some GMs to fall in love with a guy and just have a hard time pulling the plug and, and admitting that they're wrong. We've seen teams roll out. You know, Nick, Nick Foles is still in the NFL. We've seen uh, Mike Glennon in the NFL for years, you know, guys like that that just just have that 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 gl- give coaches and GMs just that glimmer of hope to keep them around when it would probably be better to just you know scrap it and start over from scratch but so much of their of their careers depend on that position that it's not surprising to see somebody you know somebody uh like like um uh Vic, Vic Fangio in in uh in Denver or some of these other coaches that get the, get their guy Drew Locke you know as an example and just have so much trouble letting go of that guy because it what it says I'm sure what some of them feel it says about them as coaches and, and talent evaluators and then also having to restart your team building process is the most important position in sports. It's gotta be really tough. But when you can get a guy, we'll, we'll keep talking about when you can get a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo that maybe isn't great, but can win games for you. That that's a, that's a big plus for a team. And and I think the Niners are in a good spot as much as we talk about them inevitably moving on from Garoppolo, having, having a quarterback like Garoppolo that is an established winner that can, if things are right, lead a team to the playoffs into the Super Bowl. And then having a player behind them, like Trey Lance, who's so supremely talented and so young, the Niners are in a good position relative to a lot of these teams in the NFL. All right. Well, uh, it's been a a good 48 and a half minutes, uh, creeping up on 49 minutes. So I think that's a a good good sign for us. Uh, Any other notes you want to touch on before we log off for, for the week? The only thing I want to talk about, and I haven't seen a lot of reports coming out from camp about it, and maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just a little pie in the sky, or or just a little, you know, falling in love with things that are that are too good to be true. But I am kind of excited to see what new tight end Jordan Matthews brings to the team. Ah, you know, yeah, it's he hasn't. He seems to be one of those guys that they just bring back and let go, and bring back and let go. But moving him to tight end, he's packed on a little bit of weight. Obviously, I don't think he's going to be a guy that they're going to depend on as as a blocker like they do with George Kittle. Um, but if he works himself in as kind of like a move tight end, close to the line of scrimmage, get some mismatches against linebackers or against some safeties, I think he could be a sneaky little add to the offense behind you know pass catchers like Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and George Kittle. He can really, I think, stretch a defense in a way that would be very advantageous for Kyle Shanahan as a play caller and for either Garoppolo or Trey Lance, whichever one is playing quarterback. And I think, like I said, maybe I'm just being too optimistic about it, but but just the thought of Jordan Matthews as kind of kind of a moved high end is something that I'm that I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out. Yeah, I mean, Ross Dwelly has had some good practices too. So I mean, I think that like can you imagine a red zone package of Usechek, Kittle, Dwelly and Jordan Matthews with Trey Lance also back there and then you've got a fifth skill position guy too that you can play whether put, that's put, put Trey Sermon back there as like a, yeah. as like their big back like that that's a that gives them a that gives them a ton of options yeah that's six guys that can conceivably get the ball on any red zone play any goal line package uh, that's that's got to be scary for a defense. So I would love to see Jordan Matthews come in and prove that he deserves a roster spot. 
yeah, maybe, like I said, maybe I'm being a complete goof and way too optimistic, but I just, I don't know, just the idea of Jordan Matthews, a tight end is just a, a fun, a fun proposition to see if it ends up working out or not. I mean, what third tight end has shown you more than what Jordan Matthews could do? Has Charlie Werner proved that he deserves that roster spot over a guy like Jordan Matthews? Like No, no chance. So, McCole, McCole Pruitt, Michael Pruitt, whoever, whoever you are, later. <laughs> Joshua Perkins from University of Washington, four-year pro, never heard of you. Get out of here. Give me Jordan, give me Jordan Matthews, Ross Duelli, George Kittle in that order. <laughs> All right, that's a sign that we need to log off for the day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> until uh, next week when we have an actual preseason game to preview. Where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at W Cabarrus, not with the dot com this week, just W Cabarrus. And uh, you can find me. We're, we're starting articles again at the 49er Hub. The offseason is over, so you can find me at the 49erhub.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MizakP. Uh, when it gets probably another week or two, I'll be writing college and draft stuff again for 49ers Hub and 49ers Goldmine. Uh, Please be sure to follow the main podcast account at 49ers Noir Pod and the main creative accounts at 415 Studios. And uh, yeah, training camp is in full swing and I couldn't be more excited about it. Let's go Niners. Go Niners.
Dara Big Maker. Dara Big Maker.